Where else can you go to not only find the information on how to train your dog, but the best deals on training equipment as well? Standing Stone Supply has everything you need to create that next versatile champion from DT system electronics down to even emergency med kits to take with you on your hunting trips. If you need some help with your training program, then their step-by-step -step online course might be a great fit for you, making it a convenient one-stop shop for the knowledge as well as the gear to take your training to the next level. Hit up standingstonesupply.com and promo code GDIY will save you 10%. Being an upland hunter in the south nowadays unfortunately means a lot of travel to try and find birds for my dogs. This means it's even more important that my map scouting is reliable to justify the effort. This is where Onyx comes in. I can honestly say that Onyx directly impacts the level of success I find on my trips. Whether it's the private versus public land boundaries, the expanding number of unique layers and features by state, or the 3D mapping capabilities, my initial step in planning my hunting trip starts with Onyx. To know where you're going, you have to first know where you stand. Check out Onyx Hunt Maps and use code G. GDIY20 at checkout to save 20%. GDIY profiles are bonus episodes that tell the stories of how your everyday handler got into the gun dog world. You'll hear plenty of examples of what to do as well as what not to do and how they learn from those experiences. These episodes are being put out to tell the honest stories that we as do-it-yourself dog handlers can all relate to. If you think you would be a good fit for a profile episode, please go to gundogyourself.com and complete the contact form, and we may get back to you so that you can share your story. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the GDIY Profile. My guest this time is Austin Kelly. Austin, how you doing, bud? Good, how are you? Living the dream as always. Let's go ahead and start off with what we always start off with. Go ahead and tell everybody where you're calling from and what kind of dogs you run uh western nebraska pretty much a stone throw from colorado and brisk walks wyoming uh, i'm running a single uh short hair pointer okay so just one short hair right now how long have you had him or her uh, <laughs> he he'll off him two years in february he turns two the day after christmas all right so what other than a short hair being a short hair uh what what brought you to the gsp club I love their personality. I've always had work, been around working dogs of some sort. From I grew up with working cattle dog, I and mean, I just love their energy and the way and how trainable they are. They researching them compared to some other dogs. I kind of looked that they were more of a like the border collies I'm used to, kind of same temperament, same energy level, same drive. So you grew up with the the border collies. It sounds like. What, what, I mean, were you running sheep? What were you d doing with those dogs? Cattle. Was there any bleed over, like, when you're getting, when you decided to get into the GSP world, was there any bleed over with your experience with the cattle dogs, with your border collies, and getting into training a bird dog? They really look for you for guidance with even just um, uh, visually. They want to look at your eye to see where you want them to go and just, kind of their trainability bled over quite a bit they've got kind of the same temperament and so living in western nebraska and being a stone's throw away from colorado and wyoming you kind of have a lot of ground to cover and a, a bunch of different bird species if you if you really chose to venture out and test the waters what was there one in particular that was really kind of getting you excited as you kind of stepped into this world oh uh. All the above. As odd as it's going to sound, because they're probably not one of my like go tos, because I'd rather ch chase sharp tails. Uh, pheasant. Pheasant's actually 
what got me was when I moved up to northeastern of Colorado. Um, the first duck I shot, well, I was actually pheasant hunting and I jump shot that one. Walked up on a pond and I was like, well, all right, let's do some duck hunting. <laughs> and then got pretty heavy into the duck hunt. And then two seasons ago, my buddy shot a widgeon that, no, he shot a mallard that just kind of sailed and sailed into some cattails and grass. And I shot a widgeon that sailed into some cattails. And after two hours of chasing those things around, because we saw them, we could fear, we knew where they were. We just could not get to them because they were diving and all that through the cattails. I was like, I need a dog for this. And that's kind of how I ended up with the GSP. All right. So you got it more or less to, to help you chase down the, the birds that sail on you, whether it's a duck or, or a pheasant. Uh, what was it about the pheasant that was so appealing to you? I mean, just the looks kind of, you know, the, the way they flush capture your imagination like everybody else. A little bit. Um, and I hadn't, I'm the pretty much first bird hunter in my family. So I didn't know too much about the upland world until I actually found your podcast and hearing all your adventures. That's cool. Uh, so, you, you got into the world through pheasants and ducks, but listening to the podcast, it opened you up to learning a little bit more about other species. And given where you're at, you know, geographically speaking, you you have kind of an open, open-ended to a bunch of different species. Even if you wanted to travel, you're not that far away from some really nice, nice areas to hunt. So kind of learning that there's other opportunities aside from pheasant, is there something that you know, intrigues you a little bit, maybe sharp tails or prairie chickens or anything like that, given your location. The elusiveness of Sharpies. Cause I took him out. We went out it's first weekend of October and I just crested this hill. We were searching for Sharpies and greater prairies. And I just hear the wings take off and I watch it fly. And I was like, well, yeah, there. And I was a good, probably 130 yards from it. When it took, like, I just, it caught the top of my head. It had to have just, with when it flushed. They can get pretty jumpy. What time of, was that early season or late season? I know late season they get real jumpy. Um, That was early because we go through the end of January up here. Okay. So early season, but yeah, man, sharp tails, they, they're kind of known for that to where you crest the hill and they just, they get out of dodge and they don't give you a chance, but uh, in my experience, especially if you're in areas that, you know, have a little bit of both Sharpies and prairie chickens, uh, the prairie chickens usually will kind of hold on to a, a little bit in that area, even with the sharp tails kind of kicking out of there. Yeah, I almost stepped on one of those. And then I could have <laughs> hit the broadside of a barn. <laughs> <laughs> and so the prairie chicken didn't do it for you. It was just the sharp tails, and that was pr- probably because they were the ones that got away, huh? A little bit. Yeah. So let's backtrack a little bit. Let's get back on on your short hair and what kind of transitioning into the bird dog world was like for you. You had a little bit of experience with the cattle dog, so you weren't flying blind, so to speak. You you know you knew your way around a dog at least to to some extent. What was some of the eye opening experiences as you kind of got the journey started into the bird dog? Actually, I used one of your guests, um, Bob Evans from Lone Duck. Okay. No, I'm um, listening to his podcast for a little bit with more than the like water intro because I didn't really get anything from your podcast on the water intro with the GSPs and kind of pieced it with that one. Yours took a little bit like 
I want this when I take him into the marsh because he loves the water and surprisingly loves the cold for a short hair. Um, That's always a good thing to have. And then I was using yours for the upland and just the all around like obedience side of it. Um, Just because labs and GSBs handle a little bit differently when it comes to that. Yeah. uh, Obedience. Yeah. Well, give me an example of something that you had trouble with figuring out. Maybe something you screwed up. You know, on these profiles, I always ask two of the same questions, and one of which is, give me an example of something you screwed up training him that you learned from that you're like, all right, I'm not, I'm not going to do that one again. Bird contacts and training, because that's one of my biggest limits here. Is I'm not allowed to store birds, pigeons, anything. Um, where I live, it's against the city. City ordinance. Um, so he's kind of lacked in that aspect for when it comes to the steady to uh, flush or steady to shoot shot with whatever I decide to get him to at that point. Okay. And so you just ha- you just had trouble coming up with the I guess the logistics of figuring out some some training bird opportunities outside of hunting season. Yeah. Okay. And so, I mean, what was the solution for that? Did you eventually kind of find a resource or a, or a buddy with some training grounds? Like, what what was the thing that kind of got you through that hurdle? Wild birds. Wild birds. So you've primarily just been I'm training on only, wild birds then? Yep. I'm the only – I don't really have anybody else to go upland hunting that has – that's not in town with me. Um, and with my work schedule, I can't go to, like – navda or any other chapters like that organizations yeah so really you you just had to go find some wild birds and and train it how was that with him and you you know brand new to upland hunting you said you know obviously the sharp tails kind of kicked out early in your experience but what's the journey kind of been like to try and steady him up and kind of get him up to your your hunting level on wild birds strictly it's been up and down. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, <laughs> as you always say, they get bird drunk. He gets bird drunk when he hears the shotgun. Okay. Um, but my buddy and I got a Black Friday special in on some pheasants. And by the end of there, because they had just, uh, Nebraska just released about 10,000 pheasants across the state on public land. Um, and we had just got some fresh snow and, and they were holding tight. They weren't running. And by the end of there, he was piecing it together from what we'd done outside with like the scent sticks on dummies and figuring out where, what, by the end of the day, he was actually tracking scent trails that he found and taking me off an eight foot cattail. But Hey, I don't think I was aware Nebraska was a, a pheasant release state. For some reason, I had in my mind that I thought they were strictly wild. So, do they just supplement with with planted birds or release birds, or is that pretty much all they have in line with uh, pheasants? Uh, they supplement. Okay, so there are some like true wild populations of pheasant, but they yeah okay, all right. So yeah. It, learn something every time that's why i talk to everybody right (laughs) so yeah i mean i can imagine especially on a bird such as a pheasant that can be kind of tricky 
training a young dog that especially if they'll get bird drunk that easily, you know, I know you said that he'll get, he'll get bird drunk if you just fire the shotgun, but I can see a, a running pheasant being a challenge is especially when, you know, the beautiful thing about wild birds is you don't have control over the situation or the scenario. So like, you know, if you're trying to work on a very specific thing with, with your dog, while birds can be kind of tricky in that regard, you have to have your timing and d- discipline down really well for that to succeed for you. How's that kind of been getting your head wrapped around it in terms of timing, right? Like, or letting a bird fly that, you know, maybe you want to shoot, but in the big picture, you shouldn't shoot. Does that make sense? Yeah, that was good. Um, right now, I'm just getting him on context. Um, he lost his freshman season to the uh, Siberian cold snaps we had up here. And then my vehicle went down. And I was out of my four-wheel drive with about two and a half, three feet of snow on the ground all winter. So he kind of lost his freshman year last season, last season. So this is kind of his uh, a year and a half. All right. So you're just still focusing on build and drive, build and drive, build and drive. That's, that's what you're out there trying to do right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, hey, pheasants aren't the worst thing for that, right? It's it'll get a dog excited, and you know, especially if they're running, it'll just it'll it'll just build them up for sure on that. Might go to the southwest corner of the state and chase some bob whites if I get some time off here in the near future. Yeah. What about the sand hills? Have you kind of made your way around the sand hills? I know that that's kind of a destination hunt for a lot of people, depending on which area you're going to. Do you get out there and check that out on occasion? No, yeah. That's probably going to be next season. Gotcha. Just because they get quite a bit of snow and quite a bit of wind up there. Yeah. So big picture, man. What What is uh? what is your goal what what is your end goal for your dog you know what are you trying to get him trained up to what level you know what what's the the big picture thing in your head for him probably at least qualifying for a navigate ut okay so you haven't been yeah, able to make it to a chapter day but you're you're wanting to test within navda then yeah that's what kind of drew me to the short hair too is the versatility of them and when you started the podcast and you were talking about NAVDA and just everything that organizations got and how they train and grade, um, they don't train to be a field dog, a uh, trial dog. They train to be a hunting dog. Yeah. Which I like. He's got the NAVDA trial. He's got the NAVDA lines in him on his dad's side, but. Where, where is he out of? Uh, uh, Rock Valley, Iowa. Which, which kennel or breeder is that? um pointers of the valley okay i've heard of them i'm not i'm not familiar but i've definitely heard of them besides the the mistake question i always ask everybody on these profile episodes you said that you've been listening for a while what what's some of the main episodes what's your favorite episode guest or topic that kind of really helped you in some way shape or form traveling with your dog is probably one of my favorites um it's what really helped me because it's something you kind of just overlook yeah, you've got the med kit ready to go in the truck and all that, or and you've got one on your pack you carry, but that'll that'll only get you to the vet. That won't fix all issues. That so like traveling with the dog, it's something that a lot of people overlook, like you said. And big picture is I want to kind of go like you have and go to some surrounding states and take a couple of days to go hunt. Yeah. Traveling, man, it's, uh, you know, fortunately in where you live, you kind of have some birds close to you, but traveling is always one of those things to where a 
like you said, you can overlook a lot of things, especially if you haven't done it yourself yet. And, uh, you know, if you get into it, I'm assuming that you got another dog kind of eyed at some point, if you're going to start traveling and, and get that dog power up, it, you know, when, when no, are we looking at number GSP. two, another GSP, probably another GSP. I want a black liver room. How far off are we talking about on that? Are we talking like a year, two years? What are we looking at? See how he develops in the soft season and it may be in a year, year and a half. There you go. That that would give you a nice little three and a half, four year gap. That's a nice little gap between dogs. So what what do you have left on the season right now? I know, you know, we're talking right now, it's kinda early December, so the season's, you know, what uh are you just still gonna get out, just continue chasing and getting as many bird contacts for them? Or do you have anything kind of fun yeah. lined up? Get as many bird contacts as you can. Nebraska does a deal kind of like the Upland Sl uh, Grand Slam. They do an, uh, an Upland Slam in Nebraska where you, you get all four birds, your Greater Prairie, your Sharpie, Pheasant, and a Bob White. It's just kind of something that they do. And you get a little certificate. Your dog can get a certificate and a little dog tag. Just something a little fun. Get out, see different places in the state. Probably something like that get him on contacts with a couple different birds, see how he handles them. Nice. Yeah, especially, you know, you're talking covey birds versus, you know, single birds and stuff like that. That can be a, a good learning curve for a young dog. But I like the states that have those little, the little slam, uh, I don't know, bragging rights programs, if you will, like just kind of something to liven it up and give you a, a, a clear goal or objective for the season, if you will. Yeah, Definitely. Well, good deal, man. I'm I'm glad that we're able to kind of connect. I mean, is is there anything else that you wanted to kind of touch on or share with in regards to your early and young journey with the dog? Like you said, you can't make a bird dog without bird contacts. I learned that in the hard way. I've tried several different things to do it. And you just can't make a bird dog without bird contacts. You can't train it. Yeah. Um, well, give me an example of something you've tried that maybe it didn't didn't necessarily work out the way that you intended or had hoped. So, I've got some. I got a pheasant doinkin, put the pheasant scent on that one. Try to get him through that in some long grass because I'm only about three quarters of a mile from a pretty big park that's got an area I can train. Throw it in some long grass there, and try to put him up like have him track that, and then when he finds it, get him to whoa to a uh, point. And then have a bumper in my back pocket that I can throw so he can retreat. But no, he just he just wanted the doinkin. That was probably my biggest like. Well, I got to figure this one out. Yeah, yeah, man. Working working uh, with the scent like that for for bird dogs can more or less kind of turn into a, a soup sandwich very often, depending on how you go about doing it. It can be a tough thing trying to bring that pointing instinct out of out of a dog on anything but an actual live bird, if that makes sense. Yeah, because he pointed his first bird when he was eight and a half months old. I took him dove hunting Yeah, down in Colorado and shot one off a branch. <laughs> Could not find it for the life of me in the bark that was all around it. And he starts getting birdie and birdie and then just snaps to a point and almost engulfs the dove. It was like a two-second flashpoint, but I was like, hey, I'll take that. <laughs> well, what's funny is uh, Lucy, my Munstie, that that was her first bird that she pointed was a dove in Oklahoma. 
uh, we're, we're going around and, you know, down there you have all those deer and hog feeders and stuff like that. Yep. And, uh, we kind of came through some of the mesquite trees and I'll look up and she just locked up solid as anything. And there, there's a dove on the other side of the mesquite tree. And, and, uh, I walked it up flush it. I mean, you, you know, it just like a, a normal upland experience other than instead of it being a quail or something, it was a dove. So kind of threw me for a loop as well but you know hey it's technically doves an upland bird just not that's just not how you normally hunt them i guess it's not but i'm like it it's still one of those really cool moments you won't forget yeah absolutely well good deal man i'm, I'm excited to hear in the future of some more exciting moments maybe you get something uh this season left you still got plenty of time and, and you can go knock out that upland slam or or at least get on more pheasants for them hopefully yeah well i appreciate your time and uh guys we'll check back here soon with another episode of gdiy everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs b pro kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the usa from high grade lightweight aluminum they'll get you set up with the size dimensions lighting storage battery boxes with solar charging and anything else you can dream of stop stressing over buying the wrong setup just have to replace it again in a year go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want if you're considering changing your dog's food soon then be sure to check out yukanuba pro performance their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance they also now have the new puppy formula to help your pups start strong and live active when looking at all the different food options remember yukanuba to help power their ultimate performance Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.